For almost two decades now, Mohit Rajhans has been associated with some of the most famous media ventures including Breakfast TV, Omni TV and CBC On Demand. He is the co-founder of ThinkStart, which fosters and develops targeted content for new platforms. Mohit also shares his opinions in one of the oldest running film blogs in Canada, Mohit's Movies, and has been on the jury of International Emmy Awards multiple times. In his book, Rethinking Your Content, he says, Our attention isn't the same anymore, and we, the content people, have to rethink our approach. With this book, Mohit brings a fresh new perspective on the value of content for an organization, brand, or a vertical. Mohit now shares his journey and inspiration on the story bar. Hello and welcome. This is your host Garima and joining me today at the story bar is Mohit Rajhans. Thank you so much for joining me today Mohit. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being the first podcast to accurately say my name properly the first time around. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. How are you feeling, Mohit? I am excellent, thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I was saying to you prior to recording that you got a stranger's email, this random Indian, Desi, Brown, whatever you want to call me guy from Toronto said, hey, I like your podcast and I would love to be on it. And uh, here we are months later. I really appreciate it. I hope we have a great conversation and I'm really looking forward to this. Same here, same here, Mohit. So let's begin with your uh, story. I know this might sound like a philosophical question, but I really want to understand who is Mohit Rajhans? How would you introduce yourselves to us? Uh, So I'm a second generation Indian living in Canada. and I have worked in the media business now for 20 years in Canada. I've lived a duality, as they say, in that I have worked both in the um, diaspora of covering Bollywood and Indian cinema and international cinema here, but then also I've lived as a professional working both in digital content, media relations, and communications as well. Recently, over the last five years, I've been using my experience uh, in both realms to do more of the education side and I've written a couple of books and so here we are now sort of you know 20 15 20 years into the media business where I can finally start to give a 360 look as as to what the real value is of things like influencer relationships and digital footprints and you know what the value of celebrity really is versus what it seems like and that's where I am now. I'm in a place where I'm talking. I'm speaking with international creators like mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. and we're we're discussing what commonalities are in trends and media. And we're also learning a little bit of the of the history of Mohit and how it can help people uh, learn from some of my experiences. Amazing, amazing, Mohit. Let's also understand the transition since you have seen both sides of the world. You have worked with people in India as well, and. Uh, you have worked with the international audience as well. What particular differences do you perceive when we talk about the world of media in terms of how open they are? Well, it's interesting you say that because I noticed a progression over the years that was entirely different. You know, there was a time period when 
um, Indian actors and actors fr from the diaspora would come here and nobody would be interested in interviewing them. Mm -hmm. um, but then when the media explosion happened in India, it became more difficult to get interviews with them. Right. So watching so many different waves happen in media uh, trends, etc., has been very interesting. But I was never able to live just a life covering one thing or another mm -hmm. or producing for one thing. Mm -hmm. In Canada, the problem is the population uh, groups aren't big enough to sustain each vertical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so a trend might be, you know, when Slumdog Millionaire came out, it was a big trend. And all of a sudden, Indian cinema had a crossover appeal that wasn't Bollywood. That gave me more work. Right. That gave me more, you know, I got way more out of that. There was more to offer. But when that trend goes in North America, you have to go back to the Hollywood stuff right, right. and you have to cover stuff like that. So I don't know if I'm answering specifically your question, but one thing that I will tell you is the positive in that mm -hmm. is that in in Canada, you can choose what you want to really emphasize your niche on. So, you know, I could be a Desi uh, person here or whatever and just identify with Pangra music. Right. And all of a sudden, you right. know, my niche in covering and my thought leadership goes in that. And that's the beauty about Toronto and in Canada in particular. There is um, the openness to be right. able to be in the business that you really want to be in. Right, right. And let's look at the onset of pandemic for a while when we talk about the entire world of media and content that has undergone an immense transformation i would say so how do you perceive that digital footprint expanding when we talk about a situation like covid 19 well, we can't deny that digital acceleration has been a big part of the way that people understand their value of mm -hmm. what they're putting um, out there from a digital footprint perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the two things that are coming head to head are one, from a content perspective, is your stuff accessible? You know, are many people from different places able to experience the content that you are doing um, on different platforms and properly? Is your message there and out there? The second part is, is it relevant and updated? You know, many people don't realize that COVID related, I mean, post COVID, uh, the content that you're putting out can, can be considered slightly disrespectful, can be considered not updated. It's not necessarily relevant. It's insensitive. So we have to make sure that we understand that climate is changing a little bit and messaging end, ends up changing as a result. But what I find most interesting is how how many people are really starting to pay attention to where their data and information is going? Mm -hmm. I never thought that we get to, because think of, if you think about when you first signed up for any social media, you never thought to yourself, oh, uh, where is this going? Instead, mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, I want to get followers. I want to connect with people. I want to play, mm -hmm. et cetera. But I mean, like even in India alone, you look at what's happening with the messenger apps, right? And you realize that on one hand, everybody needs WhatsApp because everybody's on it. On another hand, everybody's running from it because of privacy issues. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's causing two different distinctions. It's causing people to adapt digitally quicker, mm -hmm. but it's also causing people to ask certain questions. And in my book, Rethinking Your Content, that's exactly where I go with it, where I stop and say, let's start asking the right questions mm -hmm. so that the effort that we're putting in and making content uh, is a little bit more sensible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there is also a lot of noise on social media. How do we filter through that as an audience? This is what I like to explain to people about any social media or 
technology tools in general. None of these were designed for us. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Like we're not sitting here trying, the developers are not in a room thinking to themselves, how can Mohit in Toronto get more likes? You know, how can you like get your, you know, the, the, the idea is the tools are there for us to make something out of it, mm -hmm. to make the most out of it. Mm -hmm. And so noise becomes our personal, like we will curate in our own way, the way it happens. Yeah. Things will come up on feeds and but I mean, that's all a direct result yeah. of what you're searching for. You know as well as I do. I, I mean, actually, I get in trouble sometimes because from a trend perspective, I'll go and look stuff up. Mm -hmm. And then on my like personal social media feeds, there's all these fitness instructors or all these you know half-naked people doing something. And it's like, uh, well, mm -hmm. this is the problem also. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you that I think that as we get older um, and the platforms become a little bit less daunting, we will start to be able to filter out what it is that we want to consume. And that's going to be a big factor in how we stay on some of these platforms. Right, right. Also help us understand your book, Rethinking Your Content. Why in the first place you felt that there is a need to rethink the content? Well, I, you know, it's interesting because I first set out to write it as an ebook. And um, the reason I did that was because it didn't make sense to me. And we talked about gyms, for example. Right. You know, when people write fitness books, I don't understand what the point of a hardcover book is. Mm -hmm. Because when you put it down and then do your sit-ups, I don't, I don't understand how it happens. Yeah. So originally I, I printed it as an, I mean, I had it as an ebook because it was deep linked into so many references I had. And I'll get to the point of the book. Mm -hmm. But then Amazon, the success of, Amazon, of it on Amazon from a download perspective is they promoted the idea that I should self-publish and put it in print form. And so I was really lucky because I got the benefits of both and it went number one in this market and the North American market five different times. Right. The purpose of the book really was that I needed people to stop and consider this amount of time that we're investing mm -hmm. in multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. It's no longer can we stop and say it's one shot and you're, you're multi-platform. Right. Every separate platform has its own ad service it has its own way of the way you're going to be able to use it properly even in podcasting you know you could be on spotify and put music a license free into it and then it can be pulled on youtube as a result so now we have to start and this is the way i like to consider rethinking your content rethinking your content is the is the idea that if you're going to put the effort in and you're going to make um the uh the your marketing departments communication departments etc start doing this you better make sure you understand what the outcome is and the two outcomes that have to come from your content is either you're doing culture right or commerce mm -hmm. so you're either doing it because you believe that you're giving something back and building something based on the culture of anything i don't mean culture as in cultural i mean culture it could be culture about uh the the dj business it could mm -hmm. be but the music business whatever but then commerce has to be a part of it. where are you leading back to something that has that trust factor where people are buying from you, be it buying the product. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we're just feeding these companies and stopping and looking at their stocks and saying, hey, how did they get so rich? Right. Well, <laughs> we're feeding the fire, right? So yeah, that's why rethinking your content has resonated with people. I have a very quick acronym mm -hmm. in there where I, I call it's called PLOTS mm -hmm. and it's basically partnerships, licensing, optimization, tools, strategic communication. Mm -hmm. If you take any of your content plans and put it against those five things, mm -hmm. you'll be able to breathe easier about what the purpose of what you're doing is. Right. Because sometimes we miss really good ideas thinking there's no home for them. 
And that's what I miss. Like, that's what I'm trying to avoid too, because then people won't put up their hand and speak up in creative meetings saying, I don't really understand the platform, mm -hmm. but I've got a good story. You mm -hmm. need that story. Mm -hmm. That's going to resonate more. Right, right. That's amazing. That's amazing, Mohit. And uh, since you talk about trust in this entire process and partnerships, I would like to understand from you, where do you see podcasting as a platform in this entire uh, gamut? Because you have been uh, sharing your story on so many other podcasts as well. I want to understand this from you as a media person, as a content person, as somebody who is an expert in this area. How do you see the platform of podcast emerging as a very strong platform for not just conversations, but also collaborations? I think that audio branding in general is going to be more of a buzz term that we'll consider and where podcasts become part of that. Mm -hmm. I think that when people search for you in five years, one of the things that's going to come up prominently is not a website or a blog that you've done. It's going to be your podcast. Mm -hmm. People forget that on the Google platform alone, podcasts will soon be transcribed and into searchable uh, metadata that's going to you know, be a part of your digital footprint. Um, the, the tags that you put in, in show notes, et cetera, end up becoming deep links for people. This is the way I described it to a real estate agent client of mine recently. I said, you can go and make 150 phone calls to mm -hmm. clients, mm -hmm. or you can put out an episode to a thousand people on your email list of a podcast. Mm -hmm. So you tell me where, I think the, the, what's really going to happen is people are going to drill down into what specific audience are looking for, for podcast series, mm -hmm. and people are going to start doing multiple things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Hershey's, for example, Coca-Cola, for example, all of those people will have internal podcasts that'll address things that communication needs will, will end up um, having in priority. And then there's people like yourself that'll do a broader one based on um, a, a niche market that you've been able to do. What is, what will happen, what I'm struggling with, with mm -hmm. podcasts in general and working with many people on it and trying to figure out the right niche mm -hmm. is the searching for. I don't believe the search for podcasts has gotten to a place beyond heavy referrals. Mm -hmm. And so it's really tough right now to find the validity of people in the podcasting space, mm -hmm. understand how the metrics are being calculated as a result, mm -hmm. and making sure that you can find your audience. Because in some cases, you're introducing a brand new audience to a brand new format, and mm -hmm. then a brand new form of conversation. Mm -hmm. if, if I start telling you about the trends that are happening with podcasting mm -hmm. sort of beyond the next two years, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to cause people to stop and say, oh, I don't know if I want to get involved. Right. It's like the people back in the day that didn't want to download apps on their phone because they thought, oh, no, 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 I don't want to take up all this space on my phone. It's the same thing. Podcasting is going to be the new form of radio and audio branding is going to be a huge part of what we end up looking for in the next few years. Right, right, right. And since we're talking about podcasts and interviews, I would like to know um, if you could share with us some of the people you have interviewed and some of your best memories from uh, interviewing these people um yeah i actually am working on a brand new project for 2022 uh, mm -hmm. about my experiences covering um uh, both indian cinema and and hollywood mm -hmm. um so it's it's great because i've been very uh, reminiscent recently especially with footage from things that are over a decade mm -hmm. uh, my favorite interview experience actually happened as an amateur 
uh, when I didn't have, um, you know, the right, uh, the right, uh, I was very young and I was very naive. I flew myself down to New York City to um, have an interview with Amitabh Bachchan. Wow. And it was um, both, <clears throat> it was definitely a, uh, a mind-changing experience, mm -hmm. but it was also something that was my first experience in trying something like I chased that entire story on my own. I convinced, you know, it was just after 9-11. And so I had to convince people that I was buying this one-way ticket to New York mm -hmm. that I would get on. No, no, it wasn't one way. It was a same day ticket because I couldn't afford to stay mm -hmm. overnight in New York City at the time. It was so expensive yeah. and nothing. And I had to hire a camera person down there. And it, he was being, uh, um, there was a tribute for him. Mm -hmm. At the, link, at the Lincoln Center in New York, and that's how I got access. And I sat with him for two hours. I had a meal with him. It was prior to Abhishek really sort of becoming very popular. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was an amazing thing. We, we took a walk around certain areas in New York, and it was before cell phone cameras, so nobody necessarily mm -hmm. was snapping things. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know and so other than name drop, I will tell you that the relationships that I've been able to sort of see and cultivate as a result of being in a small market mm -hmm. but with grand appreciation. Mm -hmm. You know, I've interviewed uh, Akshay Kumar mm -hmm. seven times. Mm -hmm. I have interviewed Anupam Kher throughout his career and his crossover. I, you know, one time, um, and I have this footage still, but one time I went with Anupam Kher uh, to his first uh, North American red carpet. Mm -hmm. So I'm traveling in a car with him and I'm experiencing things and, you know, he's shaking hands with Robert De Niro and it's within my, you know, and I'm capturing this and you can imagine, you know, as a, as a guy who's watched, you know, your favorite dad on, on every movie that you can imagine watching him experience something for the first time is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it doesn't come with, um, without hard work. None of it, you know, there were, there were hundreds of other reporters that wanted to do what I was trying to do, but I stuck it out from a place where it wasn't about the celebrity for me. It was about the story. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just as easy speaking to a Pudgeon singer mm -hmm. as I was to AR, AR Rahman because of the way I was brought up. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, actually, my one of my most like um, fantastic moments of my life is I um, got uh, AR Rahman to play piano for me during a story. And I remember his assistant saying to me after that, A, he never does that because mm -hmm. he's extremely an introvert. And then B, he'll never do it again. Wow. So it was just because, again, like I'm from Toronto, I'm from Canada. He doesn't know me from anybody else. We were at a piano. Mm -hmm. And I started asking him questions about the music that I love. Yeah. And I inspired him to do it. But his assistant was very clear after saying, you got away with one there, buddy. That's um, That's but yeah, I've been really lucky. Just mm -hmm. just last year, I, I did a feature interview with Priyanka uh, Chopra mm -hmm. when she came here for Sky is Pink. It was a very good full, cir uh, full circle moment because I explained to her when I met her that uh, I also did her first English interview in Canada when she mm -hmm. was making her first film. Mm -hmm. And so I and I showed her a picture from it saying, look at you, you know, 2000 and whatever. And she couldn't believe it. It was a great moment, you know, to stop and say, here we are 15, 17 years later wow. chatting about your career. And so I'm really, really lucky about experiences that I've had, mm -hmm. but they've all made up uh, being a better 
both um, reporter and, and creative person. Um, and I never take any of it for granted. I mean, my dad is more proud of me than anybody else, to be honest. No, no, that's right. That's right. That's amazing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Mohit. And on this note, what would you tell the young reporters and journalists today when we, when they are going for an interview? What should they really focus upon? What would your message be for them? Yeah, I'd say stay out of your way. Stay out of the way. Let the story, don't try to become friends with anybody. Don't try to put yourself in a situation where you feel like you have to be a part. Don't insert yourself into the story. Mm-hmm. Let, see, I think the biggest problem with social and, and in general with, um, with media is that uh, the, we've got such a bad rap for trying to make the story about us and trying to make our social media followers believe that we have something unique in what we're doing. What we have to go back to now is understand that everybody's time is valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to break down layers Mm -hmm. before you can get to the tougher conversations. Mm -hmm. And not every conversation is a full length conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, in cases you have 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, the conversations I've had off camera with many people mm-hmm. have really made me a better professional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from Tilda Swinton to Tilda Rice is what I say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been able to, I've been able to capture so many different things where I can stop and say that this is really part of the journey. And that journey eventually, like I teach part-time at a college here um, when I can, uh, when I do have time, I mentor dozens of people. Mm-hmm. I try my best to not make it about, Oh, look at my picture with yeah. Warren Buffett. And, and more about, let me tell you the story about how I'm bold enough to be able to do this. How, you know, a South Asian from Toronto in a small market can stop and say, hey, there's more to this career than just filing a story for one person. Right. My hustle was real. Like, you know, I'm out, I was out there in my car filing stories, you know, running to a station uh, getting three interviews back to back because I knew, you know, imagine one day I had the opportunity to interview Malika Shrawa, Jackie Chan, and the lead singer of REM all within two hours. Wow. And imagine the difference in yeah. in mentality that that has to you have to have at that time. It's that sort of stuff that I bring now mm-hmm. to people who approach me to be their to be a client or to be a one on one, etc. I really work with content solutions for people who believe that they've got media savvy and have a voice to offer. Right, right. And this also uh, brings me to the aspect of storytelling beyond arts and culture. How important do you feel is storytelling in the business, modern business world today? Well, I, I do. I'm the firm believer that content is no longer king. Mm-hmm. I believe that connection is king. Mm-hmm. And being in connection, being king to me only means that I think we're beyond the fact. Well, let's just put it this way: mm-hmm. uh, Why does a one-minute story on TikTok resonate more than a two-minute story on Reels? Right. Um, it's really about what the connection, connecting factor is. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to connect with every piece of content that they put mm-hmm. out. But if you're not looking at what the purpose of that connection is, then that's not king anymore, mm-hmm. right? You know, if we look at it and we start to deconstruct the fact that anything being king is actually a misnomer, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think about I, what I think about sometimes is, especially in India, I think about the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent on music videos. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to myself, what is the, 
So is that supposed to lead to somebody streaming? Is that supposed to lead to, because what's the point now? It used to be that it was going to lead to physical media sales. You would buy the CD tape, you would go to the movie theater and stuff, but I can't figure that part out. And I think the connection part is missing. And more so, I think we're going to see a content crisis start to happen where, where creators are going to abandon platforms more and more as a result of saying, I don't get it. Look at YouTubers now. Right. YouTubers are, you know, marching on streets saying, we can't figure out the algorithm. We built this monster. We became YouTubers. Mm-hmm. We can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. How backwards is that? You know, right. person who drives a Tesla doesn't walk, uh, get into a new model Tesla two years from now and say, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I hope I answered your question. No, no. Yes, you did. And just to follow up on the same point, how do we avoid forcing this connection into the content? Um, I think that the, the, the biggest misnomer is, is that um, all of your content needs to be universal in appeal. Mm-hmm. I think that there's many people who have great audiences based on whatever they serve. I have a friend of mine, here's, um, uh, he runs a, uh, he's run a successful flower brand for years mm-hmm. and he doesn't need hundreds of thousands of people to like anything. He needs people that are eventually going to go to his parents' store, mm-hmm. his family's this, mm-hmm. and, you know, make, make, or buy his brand in a store. Mm-hmm. I think we have to start to look at it more or less as what is the, what's the volume mm-hmm. of likes and what's the quality of likes? What is the quality of engagement versus volume? Because you're only going to be able to sell against the quality. Right. You're not going to be able to, because look at the other way you can look at it is if you put a TikTok video up that's had 10,000 spins and your next one only has a thousand, how do you put that in front of a client as a value offer? It doesn't make sense, right? Because they'll say, well, you haven't figured out the mm-hmm. consistency. So I think that we have to think a little bit less about how are we finding a mass audience mm-hmm. and how we're serving specifically. There's one, one um, you know, uh, let's go back to TikTok for a second. The Reels versus TikTok debate is a very interesting debate because people now are taking successful TikToks and putting them on Reels, but they're getting banned on Reels because the music isn't cleared properly from TikTok. So now I'm advising clients to, to repost in a different way. Whereas before, even three months ago, I was saying to people, no, 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 just use the same video because it'll catch the same fire. But that's wrong. Because there's in, there's industry issues with it, so know your know your platforms is more important, and understanding who you're targeting is way more important than trying to get a mass engaged. Because we're fickle as an audience, we're fickle. In fact, uh, the the fact that people still tell us to like, subscribe, and whatever, it drives me crazy. Because I think to myself, you don't even know what the value of me mm-hmm. liking, subscribing, and yes. thing is. So why am I doing that for you? Yes. So, yeah, I, I I'm trying to remain positive. Yes, yes, yes. And since we have talked a bit about your experience now, I want to understand your why in getting into all of this, because everyone has this unique inspiration for doing something. And what has been your why in being a content creator, a storyteller? How would you explain that journey to us? Uh, Well, I... You know, I think that we, you definitely can't overlook the fact that growing up uh, as a second generation here in Canada, storytelling is part of your household regardless. You hear stories of uh, what it was like. You hear stories of the immigrant experience. You hear stories um, about evolution. We're first generation here establishing an entirely different 
um, type of extension to the broader family. Uh, religion, mm-hmm. right, is a part of that. You're, you're listening to things in the household, etc. So storytelling has become, uh, has been a part of my life regardless um, and understanding uh, culture as a result of it. But I'll tell you the bigger problem that's here versus um, um, in other parts of the world is that Canada hasn't figured out their diversity equation yet. And so it really becomes people like myself that still has to knock on doors and stop and say, hey, we should be doing content like this. And there's people doing, you know, Desi hip hop, for example, that's not just, you know, Punjabi music. And there's people like Priyanka Chopra who are in Hollywood films and not just. So I started to feel, and you know, in 19, no, in 2000, a friend of mine and I started um, the South Asian Film Festival in Toronto because we were tired of people only referring to Indian films as Bollywood films. And so we started, and so every little piece of the elements that I'm doing have to do with a, a broader, a broader perspective of, look, we still have a long way to go before we set like the, the South Asian diaspora are reflected properly in the North American media scene. And we all can't be front facing. Mm -hmm. Like most of my successes actually come behind the scenes. I have producing credits on many things that end up being way more impactful, both financially and uh, from a career perspective. My, um, the people who I speak to on the other side of media, the more mainstream side of media, they don't care about anything that I've done in the Bollywood sphere. They think it's nice. They've gone in for good food. They've gone to good parties. They've been to a wedding or two, but they don't care that, you know, this actor that I'm doing this dance with is the most, you know, popular actor in the world in many cases. So I live this duality in this idea that nothing is necessarily, uh, I can take nothing for granted, but these experiences, my friend, have been so unique that even the people that I speak to in Germany, I spoke to a Bollywood podcast in Germany recently, mm-hmm. um, who's done a, lar- a large profile um, on some of these classic interviews, et cetera. And I loved it because I was like, wow, you guys appreciate something that's totally different than my book and, and you know, trying to do the business and all that sort of stuff. So I love the duality. The purpose mm-hmm. and the why I think is an ongoing um, ongoing question yes. uh, but I but I also do believe that it has to it has to come back to some sort of uh, form of fulfillment that's beyond financial uh, definitely beyond financial because it you know it takes a while to get to a certain place right. but also that fulfilling nature that you know you're leaving a little bit of a legacy yes yes definitely definitely and Mohit there's one issue that's very close to my heart whenever we discuss storytelling in general which is that a lot of experiences lie, the root of everything lies in our families, within our families, just as you described uh, that to us. How would you say, how would you describe that part to us? How important it is to observe things within the family and, you know, taking some lessons here and there and trying to cultivate that into uh, the professional journey trying to integrate that into the professional journey. How would you describe that? I'm, I'm really glad you asked me that because, you know, uh, let's take podcasting for an example. Uh, you know how hard it is for us to stop and say, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? Should I overthink this? Should, do I want to edit this? Oh, I got to post, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little story about my dad, okay? My dad is a um, professional engineer, 35 years, worked one job, Ministry of Labor, mm-hmm. successful, amazingly successful in what he did. Um, no rock star element, but definitely uh, successful in his field. Mm-hmm. On weekends, 
he would bury himself in the basement and he would pump out a one hour AM radio community show, uh, completely non-for-profit, uh, out of the love, well-researched section for the kids in English, mostly Sanskrit, Hindi, mm -hmm. uh, very much about uh, religious songs, etc. I'm not trying to get too, like, the focus was very much as a way of life rather than a go fast and, and you know, starve yourself and uh, let your wife starve herself while, <laughs> while, we, while we eat. No, none of it was that. It was more so that this is why we celebrate, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I actually started to create content myself that I realized the amount of dedication that it took for him mm -hmm. at that time yeah. to, you know, on cassette tape, to write, to record, to hope that nobody else makes a noise in the other room, mm -hmm. to make sure the audio quality is, is good enough for radio. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff and the sacrifices he made, he made for two decades as a result of doing this radio program and creating this content. Mm -hmm. I never understood how much of that was that process was built in me mm -hmm. until I started to do more and more myself. And I realized, well, what am I, you know, am I complaining about the fact that I've got to record something on an iPad and mm -hmm. put it up into the, and make some right. notes that, you know, I would see pads of yellow paper. Mm -hmm. I'd see, you know, remember back in the day, uh, sometimes the um, religious books were, were these paper thin things that, you know, almost looked like they were just hanging on. He, mm -hmm. You know, we would have some of that. He would travel to, little India to pick up um, uh, records of, of religious songs because that's the only way to put them on tape at that time. Um, so the family aspect, and so this isn't part of his job. This was at this point part of uh, Seva, you know, uh, what he would give back to the community and how he would feel. And, you know, he received, don't get me wrong, he received a lot of accolades because of it. He went to temples, he spoke, and he really got this joy out of spreading the gospel, so to speak. But there was a lot of work that, that in, in that. And I think that one thing I was able to learn reflectively is that without getting your story nurtured properly um, through that confidence you need mm -hmm. uh, to be able to tell it, you're going to always feel like a fraud. Right. right. So if you, it's, it's a muscle. It's, mm -hmm. a, a, it's a muscle. It's a part of your life in many ways you might not have discovered how it factors into it when you're making short form one minute videos mm -hmm. but there are things in your life that will really contribute to the storyteller that you become and look it took me years to figure that that you know remember I would almost laugh about that experience right. in hindsight right and think to myself oh my gosh my dad would go through all this effort take a tape drive it 45 kilometers, you know, hope that they played it properly, that they would flip the side when the, the next episode was come. And so I think that you are 100% right, that we have a lot of influences in our life that make us better at what we're doing. And I can't, I can't say that um, I'd be half the motivated uh, person. And let me just also make it clear that I have made a career out of the observation Mm -hmm. of people that are grading, doing great stuff. I'm never, like, I've never considered myself the influencer. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been able to work with people to tell, facilitate, and work with their stories uh, as well. And so I never set out for the blue check mark. I never set, because I want to look. I want to be naive. I want to think, like, I'm on Clubhouse right now, which is mm -hmm. a, a new app that's really helping people in the professional world. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying not to get involved. I just want to sit. I'm on TikTok as well under mm -hmm. different aliases because I need to understand it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. What is driving people like yourself to engage and do these stories versus what's causing you to stop and say, this isn't for me? Yeah. And I think um, 
when you become somebody who's uh, definitely involved in understanding how knowledge sharing mm -hmm. is just as much uh, a part of your life, right. you're so much more open to what you can right. do. Right, right. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Mohit, for sharing this story uh, with me today. And Mohit, there's this one last thing I would uh, want to understand from you. Where do you see yourself and your journey with content in the times to come? Uh, well, I think that now that I have the confidence uh, of, of writing and I've done um, another book with Audible as well about growth branding, and I think it's really important right now for people to start looking at their personal brands in a different light right. and understanding what that value is. Um, I think that, you know, I will continue to, what I was going to say is that I'll continue to do all the things that I'm able to do without necessarily wondering what else I have to do. Um, but I do have to admit, you know, I'm really looking forward to taking uh, new voices and cultivating them into what else they can do. Because I've, I, I saw YouTubers make the mistake of living and dying on one platform. I'm seeing TikTokers getting frustrated right now. Uh, I'm seeing people on Triller and people, you know, using things like Telegram as messaging apps, but trying to emulate what's happening on WhatsApp. I think I'd rather be a little bit more of a conduit. Mm -hmm. then um, try to be somebody who is looking for another exclusive interview somewhere with somebody. That part of my life is not what I'm hoping. I, I would rather be reflective, use those um, experiences. But, you know, people like yourself are, are coming up and people are, are have young voices that need to be cultivated. Yeah. And I think that my my mission now should be a little bit more around how do I bring people to the table mm -hmm. rather than how do I get myself another interview with somebody who, you know, or, or uh, you know, you know, right now I'm doing a weekly column on CBC Radio here on technology, and it's entirely dedicated to the practicality of how technology and digital acceleration is working in our world. So I'm just trying, you know, just make, you got to have a little bit of youthfulness in it and know that eventually it'll pay off. Yeah. Hopefully my wife says. <laughs> definitely, definitely it will. And uh, Mohit, thank you so much for... Uh, uh, sharing this uh, this with us because uh, since I'm very new to podcasting and I would like to uh, take a message from you today that from one storyteller to uh, another who has just started what would you like to uh, tell me at this point of time I think you're just at the beginning of something amazing I think that once you've exercised this muscle to a point where you feel comfortable you're going to be emailing people blindly and saying, hey, listen, listen to the fantastic conversations we're able to have and broaden our horizons accordingly. Um, you're gonna look back at these first sessions, especially this one in the dark, which you're obviously audio and, and laugh at, at, at this stuff, definitely. Um, but the, the last thing I wanna to mention to you is that think about the openness in our conversation as strangers and how you're able to facilitate something as a result. This should be the nature of the conversations that we're having that are going to further your audience. Mm -hmm. So what I want people to know based on what you're doing mm -hmm. is you're leading with learning. Mm -hmm. Like you're leading by showing that your, your guests are sharing their knowledge. If you continue to work like that, you will continue to have content that's true to you. And then people will be inspired to do the content that's true to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we're at a very young stage in this, in this world of audio and podcasting, and I can't wait 
to see what else you do. I can't wait for you to start executive producing other people's podcasts because they have a niche and a desire and a want that you can help with. But look, we're, none of us are going to get rich overnight by just doing a podcast, but it's what we extend it to and how we extend our audience accordingly that'll end up paying off. Definitely. Thank you so much, Mohit. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your journey with us. Don't forget to tell people to download the book. It's yes, on Kindle, Re rethinking, rethinking Your Content, and uh, on Audible, Finding Growth Beyond Your Personal Brand. Just look me up. I'd be happy to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with people as well. You can find me all over the internet. Yes, yes. And I'll also put the links in the show notes. I appreciate that. This was a really nice conversation. I can't wait to look back at it and laugh because of how many great things you're doing. You're definitely a pioneer in your field. Thank you so much for supporting me today, Mohit. Thank you so much once again.